Uh, hello, it's Lee Hedgepantelis again, the principal of Bryden's Lawyers, and welcome to episode three of Law Pod, the weekly podcast brought to you by Bryden's Lawyers. This week, we will shift our attention again to a legal matter that I hope will be of great interest to all our listeners, and we will be dealing specifically with the area of criminal law. And this is something that many of you may not associate with Bryden's Lawyers, but Bryden's Lawyers, with its over 40 years of history in advocacy, has been able to leverage our expertise as advocates into other areas. And one area that we have developed recently as a specialised division within Bryden's Lawyers has been our Criminal Law Division. And it is my great pleasure today to be able to introduce to you the head of our Criminal Law Division, Avinash Singh. Welcome, Avinash. Thanks, Lee. How are you going, everyone, in podcast world? And how long have you been with us, Avinash? Going on six months, about six months now. Enjoying it? Yeah, it's been excellent. Been well, really, really good. you are not only the head of our criminal law division, but in essence, the creator of it. Take joint responsibility with yourself, Lee. Oh, thank uh, you very much. That's very <laughs> generous of you. Uh, I mentioned from the outset that criminal law is not an area that many people would identify with Bryden's lawyers. And I'm assuming that may have been the case for you as well before you came here. Yeah, well, I think Bryden's has kind of been known as the personal injury go-to firm throughout Sydney. So, I mean, when I found out this opportunity was coming up, I thought it was an excellent place to go to and it's you know it's been amazing since then it's just about getting the word out now that this is something that we also do how long have you been a solicitor practicing the area of criminal law Avanash? oh it's been a while now going on six years i'm an, almost an old man enjoying it yeah it's been really good really really interesting when i first started for the first three months or so it was at a general practice so i got a bit of a taste for all sorts of matters and then since then it's been exclusively criminal law and ever thought about practicing in any other area or has your passion always been criminal law I think it's always been criminal law. I remember when I was, what, 15 years old or so, whenever you do work experience through school, I managed to get a gig at Legal Aid in Campbelltown. And I was kind of tagging along with the head of Legal Aid at that time. And that was an amazing experience. I remember just going through. In the office was pretty boring, but then he took me out. I remember one day he took me to a mental institution to see some of the clients there. One of the clients in there was speaking to him for about 15 minutes or so. I thought he was making quite a lot of sense. And then as soon as I walked outside, he said, ah, do you hear that guy? He's complete nut job. You can't oh. believe anything he said. <laughs> so, dear, dear, dear. I uh, know. Actually, I think the one thing that really got me into it was the last day that I spent at Legal Aid in Campbelltown. I was just sitting down. There were two experiences, actually. The first one was, so when people get arrested, they get taken to jail. When they come to court, there's normally cells underneath the courtroom. So when you're in the courthouse, what you have to do, you have to buzz to correctives and they'll open the secret door and then you walk down the stairs, go down to the cells, speak to someone. One of the clients we had was a juvenile and he would have been the same age as me. 15 or so and I remember seeing him the skinny kid behind the perspex glass wearing the prison greens and it was just shocking seeing someone of that age who looked completely petrified and he looked a lot like one of my good friends at the time and I just remember seeing him I don't really remember too much about what he said except that he was just desperate to get out of there so that was the first thing that kind of was a real shock to me that someone this young was, you know, locked up. And in juvenile, they don't segregate you or anything. You're in there with 17-year-olds. And, and, and doing crime, I think, really fits in with the philosophy here at Bryden's Lawyers where we help people in times of need, yeah. whether it be, you know, the innocent victim of a motor accident or workers' comp or whatever the case might be. But I think it just I think it just fits in with that sort of ethos, that philosophy that we have here. Yeah, well, that's right. I think the other experience I had at Legal Aid, there was one client, we had a chat to him beforehand. What he was done for was breaking and entering. At the time when he committed the offence, he was 
pretty heavily on drugs, but he broke into a house and all he stole was a jumper from the house because he was cold. And I remember listening to that and thinking, oh, well, what's he gonna get? He might get a good behavior bond, something like that. He's gonna get a slap on the wrist. He had his wife and his child there. He'd been clean for three months or so, done a you know, residential rehab program. And I remember walking in, walking into the courtroom. I see him sitting in the back of the courtroom next to his wife and his child. The lawyer on his behalf speaks for him. And then the judge sent him to jail for six months. And I remember just seeing his wife and child crying. The corrective officers come in, put him in handcuffs and take him downstairs. And I just, it's just a feeling of injustice that I felt there. And I think that's probably where it really started, where I thought this is something that I can make a, make a difference in. And this is something that I want to do. I have no doubt that all of those who are listening will glean quite readily the level of passion that you have for the work that you do. And it's something that's obvious to me as well. And we're very, very happy to have you here with us at Bryden's Lawyers. Now, in the time that you've been with us, if I asked you what was the most common type of offence that you've had to deal with, what, what would it be? Look, we get a lot of, in terms of volume, there's a lot of traffic matters that come our way. You know, it can be anything from a drink driving case to a demerit point, suspension, things of that nature. There's also a lot of domestic violence cases that come, come our way. And lately, we've been getting a couple of sexual assault cases, which are, which are quite big. If you look at the crime statistics, every type of crime seems to be going down, except for sexual assault. So that seems to be the next kind of big area that's going to, you know, there's going to be a lot of volume in that, it seems. Is it fair to say that there is no criminal matter that we can't assist with? Oh, absolutely. Anything that you need, criminal traffic, as small as the case is, as large as the case is, we can handle it. Okay. No problem. Uh, we've also been making our presence known, haven't we, through a lot of the corporate partnerships that we have. We sponsor a lot of the, the rugby league teams and other community groups and the like. And you've created a presentation, which I've, I've been present for on a number of occasions, where we present to these clubs, particularly to the young fellas, the young, the young sportsmen, and deal with areas that are of most interest to them. And that would be traffic offences, drug and alcohol offences, sexual assault offences. And what, of course, has captured a lot of people's attention lately has been the dissemination of of pornographic material by text messaging, WhatsApp, SMS or the like. That's become fairly prevalent, hasn't it? It's it's amazing how prevalent that is, but I think the main reason is that people really don't understand what is an offence, what isn't an offence. So the most common example that we see is, let's say you're in a group chat or something like that, but one of your mates, one of your friends sends through a video of someone, you know, naked or performing a particular act. You think it's pretty funny, you send it off to someone else, well, hang on a minute, that's an offence. As soon as you've sent that video on to someone else without their consent, that's an offence. And most people don't recognise that. They think, oh, well, it's been, someone sent it to the group chat. That's that's fine. I can just send it off to whoever else I want. And they're not aware that there's some pretty hefty jail terms that come with it. You could be looking at three to five years for something for that. Like and I think a lot of the young footballers that we've addressed on these areas are taken by surprise as to how serious the law regards this sort of activity. Well, that's right. It's, I mean, every time we've done the presentation, as soon as we get to that part and we mention it, you can just see the looks on their faces. A lot of them are just stunned. When should someone come and see you? At what point? Let's assume for the moment someone is involved in an incident or there's something occurred which has come to the attention of the police. How soon should they come and see you? Immediately, as soon as possible. As soon as something goes wrong, and certainly before you speak to the police, you should be speaking to a lawyer. So, you know, get it, get on the phone. We've got a, a number now that you can call 24 hours anytime. It'll come through, even if it's after the nine to five regular work hours, it'll come through to my mobile. And then you can get some advice. The main thing is don't speak to the police immediately. Get some legal advice first. You know, speak to your lawyer, see what you can do, what we can do, what we can't do, what your rights are. 
when you're speaking to the police, it's gonna be a pretty scary experience for you. You're gonna be shocked, even if you think you haven't done anything wrong. When you go into that interview, you might say something that's not correct just because of the pressure that you're under in that moment. And then if it comes out later that what you've said in the interview isn't correct, the, the police aren't gonna be saying, oh, well, look, we made an innocent mistake, we can understand. They're gonna be saying, no, no, no. The reason why you got that wrong is because he was lying about it at that time. So it's really, really important that the first thing you do is get onto us, get, get onto a lawyer and get some advice straight away. I think that's an area where a lot of people struggle, that is not cooperating with the police by giving a statement. But of course, there are significant pros and cons in doing so. The cons outweigh the pros, and generally the advice is, do not make a statement. You are not legally obliged to do so. The police cannot compel you to give a statement, and you really shouldn't be speaking to the police until such time as you've got proper legal advice and representation. Exactly right, and I do understand that there is a perception among some out there that not speaking to the police, oh, it makes me look guilty or something like that. You have the right to silence in Australia and in New South Wales. So not speaking to, to the police cannot be used against you. And of course, depending on the nature of the charge, uh, depending on the evidence that's available, and most importantly, depending on the instructions from the client, a decision is taken as to whether the client will plead guilty or not guilty, and that will determine whether the matter will be a plea before the courts or whether it will be a fully defended charge. That's right, so the best thing to do is not say anything until you have all the evidence, and then you can look at all the evidence, we can advise you, do you have some sort of defence that you can run, or maybe it might be better uh, to plead guilty. Of course the decision ultimately is always going to be yours at the end of the day, but we can give you some advice about your prospects on each avenue, it might be that you feel like look, this is a pretty weak case against me, but for whatever reason you think I'd rather just plead guilty to get it over and done with. That's quite a common scenario that we, that we end up facing and we can advise you what the likely outcomes of something like that are. Many people often ask me, how do you act in a criminal matter for someone that you know to be guilty? How can you try to get someone off a charge when you know that they've actually committed the offence? And I think a lot of people don't understand fully the nature of the role of the defence lawyer and how everyone is entitled to put the prosecution to proof. And the other obligation, of course, that we have is to the court. Many don't, I think, fully understand that a lawyer cannot proffer any any evidence to the court that they know to be false. So I think when people understand that, they, they get a better idea as to what the role of the defence lawyer is, that the, you are defending that person's rights, any charge fully ventilated before the court, and to establish that person's guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. And that's the system that we've had now for over 200 years, and it seems to have worked pretty well. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. I mean, if a, if a client comes to you and they say to you, look, I've done it, then we can't go out there and say, no, he, he hasn't done it. But if a client comes to you, they say, no, I haven't done it, we're obliged, if they say, yes, I want to plead not guilty, we're obliged to go ahead and advocate on their behalf as best as we can. We're essentially a cog in the system. That's probably the best way to describe it. We do our job to the best of our ability. The prosecutor does their job to the best of their ability and then the judge or the jury or the magistrate, whoever the tribunal of fact is, they make the ultimate decision based on that. And that's that's how the system works. As you say, it's been working quite well for hundreds of years and it's been quite effective. Well, one of the very first things that I was taught in university was when studying criminal law, that it's better for 10 guilty men 
to go free than for one innocent man to be convicted. And I think that's that's very true. Well, that's what a system is based around beyond mm. reasonable doubt. All right, well, uh, we've also had the fortunate experience of recently acting on behalf of someone fairly high profile. And I say that with some sort of uh, understatement, Andrew Johns. Yes, that's right. Well, Andrew, it, it was in the paper, so people might know about it, they might not. Andrew developed epilepsy recently in the last few years, very unfortunately. I guess what's compounded his problem is as soon as the RMS, the Roads and Maritime Service, found out about it, they hit him with a letter saying you're suspended and we're not going to give you your licence back. So there's an automatic six-month suspension that he had to deal with. That was in about January of this year that he received that letter. In about June or July, he applied through his, he had one treating doctor and he also had a specialist in Melbourne who was also assisting. So both of them sent letters through. The RMS said, no, we're not going to, we're not going to give you your license back. So he gave us a call. We spoke to the specialist. The specialist said, oh, look, just hold off on doing anything at the moment. We've sent another letter through. We're pretty hopeful that this is going to this is going to get the RMS on board. He gets a letter from them again saying, nope, we're not going to give you a license back. So we stepped in. We said, look, this is ridiculous. We've looked at all the medical evidence and what you've told us. You're entitled to get your license back. We're going to put an end to this. So we listed it at court. We sent them a sternly worded letter before that court case. And then lo and behold, a week later, he gets a letter from the RMS saying, we're very sorry. Here's your license back. And the reason why we can discuss Andrew's case, of course, is that we have his permission to do so, and he sent through a very nice testimonial, which we posted on social media. Yes, he did, he did. He's a very nice um, man. He actually sent through a, a gift and a card to me personally as well, so I'm over the moon about that. I'm yeah. very thankful for it. Uh, with respect to that gift, Avinash, I'm assuming that you'll be sharing that? We'll discuss that after the podcast, Lee. All right. <laughs> the podcast today is also an opportunity for us to announce a new service that we're providing to all those clients who need expert legal advice and representation in criminal matters. And you've referenced it earlier as our new phone number specific to our criminal law division. And that number is 1-800-017-017. Now, if our client calls that number, it diverts immediately to your mobile, and that number is available 24 hours a day, seven days per week. Yes, exactly. So anytime there's any sort of situation, if you want some advice, if you do get arrested or police want to speak to you, don't think whether it's, you know, 10 p.m., 11 p.m., oh, look, no one's going to be open, I can't speak to anyone. Get on the phone, call that number, it'll come through directly to me, I'll be able to answer, speak to you, give you some quick advice about the do's and don'ts, and then at a later stage, we can set up a formal conference where you can come in with, you know, any paperwork that you've received, and we can go through it in detail, but it's really important. I, re I cannot stress it enough how urgent it is if you are in any sort of situation like that. Speak to a lawyer straight away, call us straight away, it's very easy, the number's right there. It can save you a lot of trouble down the road. Well, that's a fabulous service. I'll just repeat that number, 1-800-017-017, 24 hours a day, seven days per week. Now, we referenced earlier, of course, the fact that Bryden's Lawyers is not known, perhaps as well as it should be, for the amount of criminal work that we do within the community. But the fact is that we're a relatively large firm and we have significant resources available to us. That must be of great assistance to you and your practice that we're able to provide all that assistance, all those resources to you in making sure that your clients get the best legal advice and representation. Well, exactly. It certainly is. Even just the fact that we've got specialists in other areas of law, for example, if there's a client charged with a domestic violence offence, invariably there's family law proceedings that might come about because of that. If you're with Bryden's Lawyers, you've got a specialist in criminal law and you've also got a specialist team in family law that you can go to to provide you some sort of assistance in that regard, which I found is invaluable to clients. They always have questions, what's going to happen down the track, how is, for example, an AVO going to affect me? in terms of custody of the children, things like that. So it's really a great service that you're able to get 
essentially multiple services in the same one-stop shop. All right, well, I think we are agreed that if you become a person of interest to the police or charged with an offence, you contact Bryden's lawyers on that number, 1800-017-017. Avanash, thank you very much for joining us today for our episode three of LawPod. You're welcome, Liam. Happy to be here. And again, to all our listeners out there, if there is any particular matter on which you would like us to address, contact us by email, lawpod at brydens.com.au and make sure that you follow us on all social media platforms, be that Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now, again, that number to contact Avanash 24 hours a day, seven days a week, if in need of legal advice and representation in relation to any criminal matter, 1-800-017-017. And tune in again next week to episode four of LawPod for another special guest. So thank you for listening. <music>